I've always been kind of attracted to this sort of, I guess, regional aesthetic where it's one I associate with or one that is obviously about a place and time. And, and it seems like movies and film can do that really well. Paintings do that well, too, but there was something very specific in particular. And I don't even know if I'm there yet, if I've found that yet, but it's certainly something I'm after. I mean, it's something I think about, like, you know, like, how does a painting kind of um, look like a, you know, like a, a song sounds, you know, and trying to think about that kind of rhythm of, of color and structure and if you can get a sense of place and time from that. Welcome to the Studio Break Podcast. I'm your host, David Linaway. For today's 113th episode, we are back with Timothy Callahan, who talks to us about his paintings, which explore a variety of different landscapes and interiors in and around his environment in Cleveland, Ohio. So... Lots of painting talk coming up, and again, really excellent work. We want to remind you that you can see his paintings in New American Painting out this June and July, so check your Barnes & Noble or whatever your bookstore is. We want to remind you that if this is the first time you're hearing a studio break, this is the first time you come to the site, we are a podcast and blog site. We feature a variety of different interviews where the guests come on and spill their guts. So please check them all out. Each of those episodes have images of the artist's work, links to their websites, and links to the iTunes store so that you can subscribe to the podcast and never miss a beat so please do that if you like it of course if you want to help us out you can share it with all of those handy buttons so please do that you can follow us on twitter at studio break you can follow our tumblr page that's studio dash break and you can also like our facebook page to stay up to date with upcoming guests and announcements and things like that so please check us out there Without further ado, here is Timothy Callahan. Stay tuned. Welcome to Studio Break. I'm really happy to be joined by Timothy Callahan. How are you? I'm great. And you're speaking to me from Ohio today, is that right? Where we're at in Ohio? Cleveland, Cleveland, Ohio. Cleveland. Sunny, sunny Cleveland, Ohio, actually. Wonderful, wonderful. And again, you know, it'll be it'll be interesting. You know, I've been kind of looking over stuff on your website and I've just been seeing your work all over the place and you know, I thought it'd be great to finally have you on and, and to talk to you about it. So again, I really appreciate it. Yeah, I, yeah, I I I've been a fan of yours for a while. Um just because I I don't know, it seems like a couple of years ago I got really interested in podcasts just as something to play in the background in the studio. Because sometimes, like I'm a music lover, but music distracts me, and I love the rhythm of conversation. And I think I heard your interview on Bad at Sports, and then I kind of seeked you out and looked you up and downloaded your podcast. And one of the first names that came up was a friend I went to undergrad with. And I was like, oh, cool. Who is that? Uh, It was Ann Tebby. Okay, that you know, it's it's super funny because I, as I am kind of like writing notes for for when you know people come on, I'm just like, gosh, that would, seems like it would be like a really interesting pairing. So mm-hmm. it's kind of ironic, you know. There's that whole kind of domestic scenes, and so did you did you grow up around Cleveland and Ohio? Is that where you're from? Well, I grew up uh, 
outside of Toledo, just across the border in a town called Temperance, Michigan. Uh, and it's so close to the border, it's almost like a suburb of Toledo, Ohio. So were you always kind of uh, creative as a kid? Were you always interested in the arts? Or is that something that kind of slowly came into focus? I grew up um, going to the Toledo Museum of Art, um, which is, you know, a fabulous little museum kind of tucked away in Toledo and going to Saturday afternoon art classes as a kid. And I, I think, uh, like maybe a lot of kids, is sort of the only thing I was good at at school. So it just kept my interest and, you know, it made made my decision for me when I was thinking about college and wanted to go to an art school. And um, I chose Cleveland. And, and was there anything in like particular that you liked looking at? You know, it's 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 interesting because, you know, I've talked to enough people now that I, that I've heard people that, you know, that have these really amazing stories about like being involved in like programs that you know visit museums and and kind of have like that educational aspect to it. But was there anything that kind of sticks out to you, to you in your mind, like things that you were interested in at the time? I, re- I, well, I when I was a kid, I remember um, being fascinated with. I mean, because Toledo had a great. Um, in their permanent collection, like three or four really iconic Van Goghs. I remember my mother taking me to um, an impressionist show that I was really attracted to. And still one of my all time favorite painters and one of his paintings that I still go back to when I visit home is uh, Fairfield Porter. He has this portrait of the poet Frank O'Hara in the Toledo Museum of Art. And I was, I don't know, I just spent a lot of time looking at that painting as a kid. And I, it was kind of um, it was, it was funny because it was always for or for the longest time right next to the Richard Estes, you know, like super hyper realistic kind of uh, painting of a flower shop. And they were kind of right next to each other. And I remember thinking, even as a kid, like, you know, the, the Estes piece is like, well, that's done really well. But I like this this one better, you know, because it looks like my someone I'm related to sitting on my grandma's couch. And there's just this casualness and to um that painting and i'm still you know i think you know hugely influenced by fairfield porter sure and and so was it something where you had a lot of experience in terms of like pursuing it in high school taking you know watercolor Um, classes and photo and all that other stuff or did you have access to that or no not really it was you know a basic public school art education and again, it was just like the, it felt like the only thing that I was good at or interested in. And I remember when I first got to college at the Cleveland Institute of Art, I felt this kind of almost embarrassment because I, I recognized immediately I was behind. But I think that ended up being like a good thing because it just sort of made me work that much harder. You know, I was up against uh, people my age who had more experience painting in oils or painting, you know, just more experienced painting. And um, so, yeah, my undergraduate was, I felt like I was doing a lot of catching up. Did you gravitate towards working from observation and trying to be in that environment and trying to kind of record what you're seeing? Or was it kind of like a mixed bag of, of approach? Or I don't know, what was that experience like? I guess in the foundation classes, you sort of had to work from um, observation, which I, you know, I've always enjoyed. But the first thing that really sort of got me excited about painting uh, is when I kind of came across the Bay Area figurative painters. And there's this like exhibition catalog of, you know, Corn and Park and Paul Warner. 
and I, I, I don't know. I was just, I'm I was so attracted to that idea of, you know, this observation, casual kind of approach that included a lot of, I guess, abstract language and just sort of, you know, painting elements that didn't seem to rely so heavily on observation. And was it kind of typical in terms of like the different projects that you take on? Cause again, I, I don't know. Like it's weird to think about it. Cause like, you know, now I'm going back quite a ways even to thinking about my BFA, which is kind of crazy, but um, you know, there's so many, there's so many things that you wind up doing. I mean, did you yeah. take printmaking classes and all sorts of other things? Or I took, yeah, I took everything that was two dimensional. I didn't really do anything three dimensional. So yeah, I took a, a lot of printmaking and um, a lot of drawing classes, a lot of painting classes. And the way it was structured at the school I went to is you went into your major after your second year, and that's pretty much all you con- concentrated on the next three years. So you got a good foundation of trying a bunch of stuff, but after that that third year when you're in your major is just all painting for the most part. And so what, what kind of stuff were you interested in painting? I mean, it's got a, got a range a lot, I'm sure, you know, over the course of that time, but I mean, was it still like, like stuff that was, that was around more or less to say? Yeah. Yeah. I think it was sort of that, but it was kind of viewed through, I don't know, recent art history, like all the people I was kind of being inspired by. And I mean, I think that's maybe pretty typical of an art school undergraduate degree. You sort of like try to paint like your heroes and kind of plug in your own maybe content or experiences and try to figure out like their language and what's interesting about it. And, you know, I feel like I did that all through undergrad, sort of made almost kind of copies or master copies. You know, I I spent my first sort of year in the painting program. I, I felt like I was doing, you know, um, Richard Diemenkorn kind of <laughs> studies, you know, plugged in with my own experiences. And then I got really interested the next year in kind of um, postmodern 80s figuration and, you know, trying to make the same content fit into like maybe a David Solly kind of um, structure. And then by my last year, I was. I thought maybe I was trying to do something that was a little bit my own language, but I wasn't really there yet. And they were still kind of figurative, somewhat based on observation, but using a lot of, um, I guess, photographic references to build the paintings. Sure, sure. And and just to kind of give us an idea of like a, a time frame too, you know, not to not to put you on the spot. I don't want anybody to think about your age or anything, which you know. <laughs> but um, what, what so like what time what time are we talking about in terms of like finishing up your undergraduate? This is uh, yeah, like uh, mid to late nineties. So I graduated in ninety nine. Okay. Uh, and so what 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 did you wind up doing afterwards? I mean, did you go immediately into graduate school, or did you no, take time no. off, or? Yeah, I took um, quite a bit of time off. We are in Cleveland, folks. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I closed my window and everything. I thought, okay, yeah, I took, I took, um, I didn't think I really necessarily wanted to make art. I don't know what I wanted to do. I guess this may be typical, too, of, you know, getting a BFA, that kind of oh shit moment. Like, what did I do? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, how do sure. I make a living? So um, I sort of fell into um, teaching, and I was teaching at a private Catholic school just because I didn't really need a a teaching certificate or license. You know, the art teacher for 
K through eight. And I did that for four years. And I kind of, I just sort of made this promise to myself at some point during that time, those four years, that if I was going to go back to grad school, I didn't want to pay for it, number one. Sure. And number two, I just I felt like I needed to make a couple successive bodies of work without deadlines and without even showing just to kind of prove, I guess, to myself that this is something I wanted to do or pursue further. That's what I did for um, four years and sort of uh, was kind of the art teacher in this in Toledo at this Catholic school and made a lot of work, didn't really exhibit it, just tried to kind of, you know, keep progressing on it. And then I decided to go back to grad school and found myself at Kent State University, which is not far from Cleveland. So I came back to Cleveland. And when was this? This was uh, 2003. Okay. Okay. It's it's. I'm curious though too. I mean, like in terms of that time off, you know, I think it's really interesting to to think about that. I I had like a a little bit of a chunk um, off too, and I don't know. I think just kind of being in this environment where you don't have to kind of prove yourself, or you know, you're mm-hmm. you're kind of setting the agenda. I mean, is is that when maybe some of the ideas about making work about where you're from kind of came in, or was that something that came in later still? I think it might have, you know, thinking of it in retrospect. At the time, I don't think think that was what I was thinking. But now that you actually say it, that makes a lot more sense, you know, because, I, yeah, I wasn't sort of pressured into thinking about what it means to be an artist. I was just trying to prove or make sure, prove to myself that this is something I could do every day, no matter you know, what's going on, if you have an exhibition deadline or what a commission or whatever. So, yeah, just kind of maybe pulling from daily experience and just sort of making paintings. Outside of the studio and, and painting and teaching, I mean, what, what kind of things are you interested in in terms of, you know, just looking at things at the time? And again, I, I ask because it seems like, to me anyways, these things always creep back into my head, you know? And so it makes me curious. I mean, I guess uh, uh, other interests for me, well, I've, I've, I've always been um, interested in music even though I have no talent <laughs> to produce music. I spent a lot of time going to um, rock and roll shows. Very interested in like film and looking at movies. And I'm, I've always been kind of attracted to this sort of, I guess, regional aesthetic where it's one I associate with or one that is obviously about a place and time. And, and it seems like movies and film can do that really well. Paintings do that well too, but... There was something very specific in particular, and I don't even know if I'm there yet, if I've found that yet, but it's certainly something I'm after. I mean, something I think about, like, you know, like how does a painting kind of um, look like a, you know, like a a song sounds, you know, and trying to think about that kind of rhythm of, of color and structure and if you can get a sense of place and time from that. I, I know that I'm always tangential when it comes to randomly asking questions. So to kind of get back into this timeline too, then, so what, what made you kind of decide that you, you wanted to go back and, and I guess really pursue uh, your serious art love. Is it just that time off that made you want to commit to that? Yeah, it was the time off. I applied a couple years in a row and it, it kind of was the sort of money and cost of it too. I felt like it would be irresponsible to, uh, you know, kind of get more loans. So I applied to Kent, I think twice. And then the second time I was sort of accepted and got 
you know, like a teaching assistant stipend kind of thing. And it felt like it was the right time, you know. Ultimately, it became about um, maybe the job that I was doing at the time. I, I enjoyed teaching, but uh, it became, I mean, I guess a little bit too much like babysitting, you know, with the, the, the younger kids. And, um, I, yeah, I wanted to sort of kind of give it, give it another go as far as, like, trying to really focus all my attention and energy on being a studio you know, artist. And did you notice like a, a big shift in terms of just the, I don't know, you, you were talking earlier about, you know, starting undergraduate and kind of feeling like you had to get a whole bunch of this experience in terms of, of painting, but what was it like then to go to go into graduate school? I mean, was there really any kind of agenda or was everybody just doing all, all types of stuff that kind of made you reassess like what you could do? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think that was the refreshing thing about, my grad school experience, it did feel like everyone was sort of um, maybe at different starting points. And, um, yeah, it, it felt more like a community. And that was the other reason to maybe leave Toledo and leave my job was, you know, I had spent enough time making work in isolation and really wanted a community and really felt like I needed a community, you know, to get to get feedback and just sort of have this sort of, yeah, support around you and, and certainly just because I, I you know especially looking over the work that we see now you know there's a lot of mixed media acrylic gouache oil i mean was it was this stuff that you were really heavily kind of pushing at the time or was it stuff that you have been kind of developing you know over the course of that whole arc i think uh it was sort of kind of happened in 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 graduate school when i was at kent you know start thinking about like because one thing I think that that is still consistent from at least the, the the work I made right at the end of grad school is this uh, this kind of open surface of the painting, the raw paper, raw canvas showing through, and that was like a language that I was really interested in right at the end of grad school and using different mediums like well. I should use this medium to describe this texture or surface and I should switch it up. And that still kind of exists in the paintings I'm doing right now. You know, you still get a sense of like open space because I, I, I kind of feel like I want the, the viewer at some point to sort of go on this narrative of making the painting with me, you know, visually they kind of see the first mark and last mark. So it's it's certainly traditional painting in the sense that it's kind of layered. It's you know it's of an image. I want the viewer to see those beginning marks and also see kind of the end marks. And I, I feel like that that the, the openness of so showing so much kind of raw support or ground is integral to kind of getting that narrative across. Yeah, and, and I think that's something that's kind of interesting, you know, in, in terms of some of the words on, on your site, in terms of the way you think about your work, kind of being maybe an extension of, of the things that are around you. So you've kind of confirmed it a little bit, but I mean, is that something that maybe stand in front of a painting and kind of just, I don't know, think about their relationship to, to something that might be similar and kind of work through that with you? Because it's, it's interesting to think about the way that you incorporate, like you were saying, a lot of the raw linen or you know, areas that kind of flatten out. So you kind of recognize that, you know, this is something that's being constructed, but then, mm -hmm. you know, what's, what is that about? You know, what is, um, 
what is that interest in terms of somebody seeing that in terms of the way that they might react? That's a really good question. I, I, I think, I mean, for me, what I've always, it kind of goes back to that kind of that Fairfield Porter, Richard Estes sort of thing. Like sitting in front of those two paintings in the Toledo Museum of Art as a kid, I felt much more engaged with the Fairfield Porter painting, even though like as a little kid, I didn't understand. Well, I I visually understood like, oh, okay, Estes is much more skilled, (laughs) you know, in, in in the sense of like representation, observation. But this guy, what Fairfield Porter is doing, is keeping me engaged a lot longer because I want to kind of sort of I, – I see his little screw-ups. I see, I see everything, and I feel like I'm kind of with him making this painting where I, I feel like maybe, you know, photorealism or this sort of slick surface in observational painting is almost like this kind of uh, filter, you know, that like – as a painter, I'm trying to look through to kind of see where they, you know, how they got to this area. There's, there's no like kind of open windows to let me into their process or let me see them enjoying making marks, you know, sort of see sometimes it it can kind of feel like a little tedious or, you know, I don't know, laborious. And I, I sort of feel like, um, for me, keeping someone at your picture longer is kind of the object of the game <laughs> and like what strategies can you use to sort of keep someone there. And I, I think just the casualness of like mark making and kind of being able to sort of see this human element keeps people there longer for some reason. It keeps a viewer there a little bit longer. I could be, I could be completely wrong, but <laughs> it kind of leaves it in more of a, um, I don't know, like an open, open, like setting in terms of the way that somebody might see it. Cause I think like, especially the one that I, that I noticed immediately is just the, the Apple one or the still life with Apple, you know? And I, I think back to those, those Macs from, gosh, I don't even know what year that was, but you know what I mean? It kind of, it kind yeah, of really yeah. kind of makes me think about, just makes me think about being in a, in a place and I like how I'm able to kind of fill in from there. So, I mean, it's interesting because I think that really kind of becomes apparent in a lot of those works and, you know, certainly like in, in, in something that you were saying, even in, in your current work, there's, there's that aspect to it. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, it, it sort of gets me, it gets me excited too, I guess, with the challenge of, um, you know, thinking about like the, just the efficiency of mark making, like how many, it's almost like, kind of out of economy and like how much paint do I actually need? How many marks do I have to put on here to sort of make this happen? And I I love that challenge too. I think that's kind of a sort of prominent in like a lot of different kind of American art forms, you know, like this sort of efficient kind of way of making something. And I, I think about that a lot too. Like when I look at an object, well, I want to present this object What's the easiest way to do it, you know? And is that something that you'll use photographs in, in terms of referencing those things? Is it something that you, you know, walk around and make sketches or? I do. I do. I use everything. You know, I, I feel like in the paintings I've been doing the last couple of years, there's all types of observation and it starts in different ways. Sometimes it starts from direct observation and then I'll have a photographic element, and then it'll be 
just responding to the painting, which is kind of a different type of observation, which is based on memory or kind of just invention. You know, you're responding to what's already there and you have this memory built up of how things should look. And I feel like when my paintings are most successful, they have all three types of observation, like direct, whether it's, you know, starting with a sketch or even like, you know, like a work on paper that starts on site, is finished in the studio and then, you know, responded to, and I have invention and sort of um, memory. But even when I use a photograph, I, I, I sort of, um, even when I start with a photograph, it, it really only lasts that relationship, like maybe 30 minutes to three hours, like a third of the painting before I kind of abandon it, you know, because mm-hmm. it, it ends up being, um, too much information and the wrong kind of information. So even though I love, you know, photography, I love it as a tool. I love it as a medium. I find myself, uh, I can't use it for that long in the process of making these paintings or they be, they become really, um, stale really quick. If I, if I rely on it for too long throughout the process, what do you need to kind of see that, that makes you go like, damn, you know, I gotta, I gotta do this. Um, as far as like imagery. Yeah. Yeah. Cause again, there's so, I mean, there's so, so many variations and I, I guess maybe I'm thinking too specifically of the series that's right after the, the 2008 and 2009, they all seem like small works all done outside from, from what you're looking at. And maybe they're kind of completed, you know, like you're saying in terms of afterwards in the studio and kind of reworked from memory, but then, you know, what, what do you need to kind of go, man, that would, that would be an interesting painting. I think the series you're responding to or talking about is um, it, it was actually um, all of these paintings that I was kind of putting this limitation on myself that um, I would only make paintings that I could walk to from my studio. And it kind of came out of a conversation um, from my dealer, um, a show with a gallery in Cleveland called the William Buster Gallery. And I think, you know, he maybe came to the studio a couple times, noticed I was in somewhat of a rut, you know, painting these kind of very abstract still lifes. And he's just like, you know, Tim, you ever think about doing residencies? <laughs> like, uh, you know, like people want to see other stuff <laughs> inside right, your studio right. or, or whatever. And it was, this is this funny casual moment. And I'm like, well, you know, I, I would love to do a residency, but I can't really get out of town right now. So I kind of just gave myself a project one summer and like, okay, put this, you know, extreme limitation on myself. It's just a quarter mile in my studio. So I guess the excitement becomes like, how do you make something that you're not necessarily excited about into something kind of beautiful, which is you know, an idea I've been interested in, in anyways, it was just kind of up the ante to challenge yourself more. Like you can't go past this block. You know, you have to make these images or these paintings just within walking distance. And I also made the limitation that I had to at least start them in plain air. You know, they had to start, start outside and that's why they were small on paper and portable. And and so it's interesting too, because that idea of efficiency, I think really comes through, I'm looking at one that has this, you know, this big back of a van. It's called Stimuli at 55. And there's like mm-hmm. this big, there's this big back of a, a van or truck or something like that. And it's just defined, you know, like the, the edge of it's defined maybe. But then the, the paper kind of really comes through as part of the window. So I think that that idea of, 
you know, pushing the material to to kind of do the most for the least, I guess, is very interesting yeah. to me, you know. And is that something then that you could kind of feel free to kind of, I don't know, play around with an event? Because you, you might not, you might start, you know, 20 of these and then throw 20 of them away or. I guess you probably feel this too in the studio. There is something really, I don't know, liberating about working on paper as opposed to canvas because. I, I don't know about you, but I kind of I feel like sometimes I tighten up just because, well, I put more time into stretching this. It's more expensive material. And when you're working on paper, it just seems like a good way to kind of always make sure that you're taking risks and experimenting with mark making and not kind of tightening up in the beginning of a painting. So, yeah, that, that definitely came into play. And, and being able to do a lot of uh, works on paper – and just think of them as studies if it kind of didn't work out. You know, like, well, this could be a study for a painting. It's not like, a, you know, this complete waste of time. Just for my curiosity here, and maybe other, other folks too, but, you know, are you, are you drawing these out as you're starting? Or do you typically work with the, the material to, to kind of figure it out? Those smaller ones on paper, I would start with maybe like a five-minute gesture sketch and then go right into just, yeah, pure color gouache so yeah there there's a, a kind of a under sketch drawing but I, I didn't really spend a whole lot of time um thinking about the complete composition because again i i wanted like that other level of observation you know we were talking about how you might kind of maybe base a, a a series of paintings all around something like that like working from your studio but then it seems like that's that's something that kind of occurs kind of throughout the the other series of works that you do because like i think the next one or at least the one after that uh from 2010 there's a lot of paintings that are all on black paper and black canvases so i mean is that is that kind of a mode then you kind of like how do i how do i see something new in this yeah i think kind of i mean that was a real turning point for when i did that kind of um sort of series outdoors and it was just maybe me realizing that i needed to put limitations on myself i, I need those limitations to sort of create just problem-solving situations. So, yeah, I just kind of started thinking about historically, you know, like that kind of genre of, you know, night paintings and experimenting with black paper. And then I, you know, I found this black canvas from this canvas supply store down the road. Again, thinking about economy, you know, like, okay, there's all this, this black ground, like, and it was almost kind of like working reverse watercolor, you know. That I had to be very kind of pre-planned with that, sort of the drawings of it. But even then, like I was just drawing really lightly with like just chalkboard chalk and giving a, a general idea of where the light sources would be. But I, I really enjoyed making that body of work just because it, it sort of, uh, I don't know, it gave me this appreciation, I guess, for um, the surface even even more, like to really engage the surface. So the surface, meaning the black paper, the black canvas, was the main character of the painting, you know, and trying to see how far I could push even the idea of less paint, less marks, you know. And it's again, a lot of them are kind of maybe like, small like uh storefronts and you know convenience stores or fast food places <laughs> and you kind of got that you know that atmosphere um and again it's it's weird too because i remember looking at this one somewhere called hard day night 
mm-hmm. I remember looking at it and, and seeing the 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 very top of it again it's a, a a painting that looks like um a car in front of like a fast food restaurant but like I remember looking at it and seeing you know the surface on the very top part of it and I thought it was super interesting like it's almost kind of reminded me of like an interior too and so that kind of abstraction that I think we've kind of talked about a little bit is always something that's also something that makes the the work really interesting yeah it was sort of like um kind of breaking the sky yeah the kind of artificial light you get at night into marks and stripes and i think that's still something that's kind of in my work now like kind of breaking up atmosphere into shapes you know which is i think something that you see in all kind of western painting and it's kind of western painting referring to maybe eastern kind of philosophies of painting and i love that idea of like giving form to atmosphere, you know, giving form or shape to seemingly formless kind of things in painting. And that, I think that's what I kind of learned most from those paintings. Cause it, 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 you know, the challenge of, yeah, like working at night, obviously I didn't work from observation, like direct plain air observation. I used a lot of photographic uh, references, but I felt like I was kind of, channeling a lot of um i don't know i guess just eastern thought into painting and trying to think about atmosphere as you know a form in terms of working at night is it something that also kind of reinforces the way that you use color because you know you talk about fairfield porter earlier and i'm thinking of you know someone that's really interested in in playing with color and, and what kind of different uh, color situations color harmonies you can come up with and so i'm curious is that something that you know just like working outside of your studio kind of influenced the way that you maybe chose different things i mean is color something that you also kind of are able to kind of really explore by doing a night series or doing a you know a series in the afternoon i mean do you really pay attention to those things yeah definitely but it also felt like it was the first time where i was like really kind of inventing and yeah, thinking more about color as like a harmonious kind of um, design element in the paintings, because I, a lot of those those paintings kind of came from um, cell phone images. And at the time, I had you know like I think a flip phone, so they were like the worst, best resource I could work from because it gave you so little information that you just really saw like a few shapes to kind of start with. And um, you really had to do a lot of invention. And I say invention, but I don't know if it's invention or memory or both. You know, like you really had to rely on invention and memory. And yeah, that, that felt like that was like a really great experiment in color for me. You know, just like seeing a bright, solid color getting absorbed into black paper or black canvas and like how you respond to the next color choice you make and the next value choice you make was really exciting for me. You've got really small kind of works on paper and then these, some of these larger ones that are on canvas and maybe like five feet, six feet. I mean, what, what's the difference in terms of the way that you wind up approaching it? I mean, obviously, um, when a, maybe one is more about immediacy, but do they kind of, how do they inform each other? All of them were sort of studies for larger paintings and not all of them I made sort of into larger paintings. So the ones that like, I guess are on my website or the ones I exhibited 
were uh, ones that I, I never made into a larger painting. But any one that you, you saw on canvas, I had made at least one and sometimes two different versions on paper, really small, to kind of figure out the sort of marks and, like, thinking about, like, how to translate, like, even the scale of the marks up. That continues to be something that I do not with every painting, but once in a while, like, you know, making a small thing on paper and then just making it again larger on canvas to see how it changes. And I'm I'm curious too, I mean, does it does it change a lot too in terms of the, the scale then, you know, to see something that's maybe, you know, ten inches across versus, you know, five feet across. I mean is it is it a different experience for you, or is it kind of just a, a really blown up version of of something that's still getting at the same thing? No, I, I think it is a different experience, but it's it's like a, a a time experience. Like the works on paper I do for the most part always happen in one sitting, but even when I sort of go larger, it's like the difference between one sitting one day in the studio or one week in the studio. And working larger, like I force myself to kind of slow down. And a lot of times I force myself to slow down just by changing medium and and sort of going to oil, you know. Well, and it's it's interesting, too, because, you know, I I think one of the things that, you know, as as someone that teaches drawing and and 2D and painting, um, you know, the idea of kind of using marks to kind of represent something is, I don't know, something that maybe is difficult for someone without experience or you know, maybe just kind of confronted in that same way, like you're talking about being on a canvas, you want to think this thing is sort of pristine. So, I mean, is there, is there a strategy that you implore um, in terms of just kind of playing around with it? I mean, do you just kind of literally pick things that you don't know how to figure out and then figure them out? Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, I I feel like, you know, you said teaching 2D or drawing. I, I teach a lot of those classes too. Yeah, I think about those sort of problems in my own work and then kind of try to express that to, to students, you know, this idea of um, how, you know, when you change the variables a little bit, it's going to change the way you approach it. And that's a good thing. The way you sort of, you know, approach, you know, rendering an object. And I, I love that, you know, about painting and drawing and sort of, uh, you know, changing those variables. And are are there particular mediums that you kind of prefer different settings? I mean, is it is it easier to work on gouache when it's smaller? Is it something that you always kind of incorporate into larger paintings? I think it's yeah. I think it is easier. I think I would use more gouache. Um, I mean, I, I, yeah, I think gouache is my preferred medium when I'm thinking about seeing everything kind of happen within a couple hours. You know, like whether it's on a small scale or even a larger scale, it's just that gouache is so expensive. So I don't use it that much on right, canvas because, right. <laughs> you know, I'd rather use something cheaper acrylic that, you know, I can kind of get the same effect, but still see, you know, whether it's 12 inches on paper or 40 inches on canvas, those first marks, I kind of want to see the picture within the first hour. You know, it doesn't matter the scale. You know, again, in the following year, you have a you have a series of portraits that are listed on your website, as mm-hmm. well as you know, kind of more of um, these kind of interiors and exteriors. Um, 
But I mean, did you did you find that all these things kind of start to merge, uh, you know, in these works? Yeah, that that was sort of. I mean, I, I kind of took, I guess, a departure right after that and decided I was going to try to um, do portraits, <laughs> and I'm not not really sure why, other than the fact that all of my favorite painters have always done portraits, and for the longest time, I've excluded the figure from the paintings I've made because I kind of want the viewer to be the figure in the painting. So I don't know. I I guess I just wanted to kind of um, explore portraiture and um, yeah, see what, see what happened. And I still don't know what happened. (laughs) It's just something I did. Well, it's, it's interesting though, too, because I mean, a lot of them are in, in, in these kind of settings that incorporate, you know, some elements of still life and, you know, mm-hmm. an interior or exterior or something like that. I mean, was it something that you kind of actively sought out to kind of include or was it, you know, their stuff or is it something that you added or? I, I think in most of the cases it was my stuff or like choices I made because they were either coming to me in my studio or they were, you know, things, you know, where I edited a lot out and kind of included something that looked like would be in my painting anyways, whether it was a mark or an object. Sure. Sure. No, I, I think that makes a lot of sense. Um, but again, it's, it's interesting too, because I mean, even just like the scale of, you know, even like one of those first ones that I mentioned of like the Apple computer or still lives, or even like, you know, landscapes, you kind of see the thing that's so interesting to me is that these, you know, like the figure might take up, you know, almost the entire height of the page. Mm-hmm. And it really kind of lends itself to, to giving itself a sense of weight, too. So it's really interesting. You know, I'm looking at one called Dialogue Picture Michael from 2011. Um, mm-hmm. And again, it's really interesting to see the way that, you know, you kind of still incorporate those really kind of soft marks, but the way that they kind of also kind of really allow, you kind of allow them to kind of dissolve into being paint, you know, like not not hiding this fact. So it's interesting the the relationship between, you know, these paintings that seem more finished and then also those those elements that seem unfinished or like they're coming apart. Yeah, yeah. And the other, I guess, I guess maybe the other thing, I don't know if it's interesting or not, because it doesn't really show up in the, in the work, but um, all those paintings I did uh, were people that I had met while working at this rock and roll club in Cleveland called the Beachland. So it, it, it kind of became this sort of like, extension of my studio practice where I included a social kind of media element, you know, where I sort of made this blog and wrote about it and like kind of made another limitation for myself. Like anyone who responded to, I would end up asking to sit for me. And it kind of became this very sort of outward social thing that, you know, doesn't necessarily happen in the studio. So a lot of the portraits you see are people I met who either work at this rock and roll club or who are musicians and played at it. Or, you know, there's a painting of um, one's called host picture Cindy. And she's the owner of this, this, this club, which is pretty famous club now in Cleveland. It's been around 13 years. And that's obviously not something, you know, a viewer would get from looking at the paintings, but it, it did culminate in this kind of exhibition that was about like community or about, I don't know, something that was after in the idea of tackling portraiture. You know, I wanted to kind of frame that experience in some way. You kind of talk about, you know, it's not like you're painting just things that are banal. You know, they're, they're things that you're, that you're invested in. And so especially as someone that's looking at them, it's really interesting to kind of, 
I don't know, figure out how invested. I don't know. I don't know if that makes sense, but like, you know, there's, there's, there's some that seem maybe like they're, they're universal, you know, and then there's maybe some, and again, maybe this is a little bit later, but like there's, um, there's one from 2012 called discarded love letter. And it's a little, little crumpled up piece of paper. Again, it's the scale of it, you know, it's pretty small, but it's, it's interesting because you kind of delve into those aspects of maybe like narrative. Again, I don't know if this is your, you know, your discarded love letter, one that you found, but it's interesting too, because you start, you start seeing some of these images and you want to kind of, you kind of want to build these narratives around them or, you know, what's, what's going on here. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, I mean, I think, that a lot of those from 2012 again came out of like a condition that um, I sort of moved out of a really large studio and moved into a really small studio. And I was also um, working on a book called one painting a day. So I was doing very specific small works that were um, could be completed in one day. And this is available through your website if everyone goes to timothycallahan.com is uh, One Painting a Day. And I've actually looked this up because it looks like a really, <laughs> really kind of cool book. So as, lo- <laughs> as long as we're talking about it, I mean, is it ju- it's just a practical approach in, in terms of painting? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was, it was an interesting opportunity that kind of came up through, you know, how just networking opportunities and... Um, I was approached and asked to write this book. It kind of, I was very scared of it first because it, you know, it's, it's kind of this craft publisher and it, 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 most of their books are sort of like these kind of how to books. And, you know, even though I'm a teacher and I've taught all different ages, all different levels for the last decade, I don't really still feel like, you know, I could teach anyone how to paint in a mm-hmm. particular way. So I was kind of scared of it at first. But they were really cool. My editor was really cool. And it, it ended up being more of like a, um, a, a what to paint rather than a how to paint. And it, I kind of wrote it in this way of like half artist statement, half teaching philosophy of how I kind of approach sort of just the daily approach to painting. I can't help but wonder, like, I mean, is this a lot of this just a response to just being so prolific in terms of, you know, just putting yourself out there? working on this thing, it works out, maybe you work on a larger one. And then, you know, if it doesn't, then maybe you just go back to the drawing board. But it seems like there's such a vocabulary to be really subtle and, and really specific in, in some of these. So it's really interesting to see that progression, you know, the way that you can kind of still have those negative shapes interacting and that abstraction where things are flattening out, but everything seems so much more specific now in some ways. I don't know. That's, I guess, what I'm sort of after. And maybe I feel like, I haven't gotten there yet, you know, and like there's sort of, I don't know, like, I don't know how you feel about like a body of work or like just thinking about all the work you've done your whole life. But there's something about like um, the middle period of a body of work where you're like not sure where you're going yet. that I'm always kind of really engaged with and interested with. And it's like, you know, I get to a certain point, like, you know, maybe with like those, those black paintings where like I figured out how to make the painting really good. So maybe not so interested in it anymore. And and I'm I'm still kind of at at this point where I'm kind of thinking about, um, I'm thinking, yeah, still thinking about still life and thinking about like, um, the open raw canvas and how to engage it even more. And what are you currently working on? Cause we kind of, kind of just brought it up. I mean, what are you, what are you pursuing now that you're, you know, super excited about? 
Uh, I've been working on paper again, but I've been working on a scale that is um, larger than I've worked before. So these these ones are about, I guess, about 22 to 23 inches square. And the thing I've noticed immediately was the fact that I couldn't sit down and do them. You know, they were just big enough where I had to do them from a distance. I guess um, subject matter-wise... They're sort of um, me responding to the neighborhood I've been living in the last couple of years. And I kind of thinking of them like if I had a title for these works, it'd be called Town and Country. Mm-hmm. There, there's just something like very particular and strange about the neighborhood um, I live in where it feels like it's this hybrid of like, you know, it's very urban. It's very connected to the city, but there's these like really country elements to it. And I, I grew up in the country, and I, I love both. You know, I grew up on 13 acres, and as soon as I moved to Cleveland, I fell in love with this city, and I fell in love with the city or urban space in general. But I, I still kind of pine for that kind of backwoods, kind of hillbilly aesthetic too. So. I don't know. I'm just kind of looking around and being more specific about like my neighborhood and like the things I see as I walk or bike to the studio. Yeah. Being really engaged with, with that space. But I'm also at the same time working on, you know, some more of these larger still lifes um, on canvas and linen. And it's kind of strange, like in my studio right now, just looking around, it's like the, the ones that are about space, the ones that are about like my neighborhood that are more traditional landscapes are, you know, smaller on paper. And then the still lifes are larger paintings. So I'm kind of doing, I guess what you would think is the opposite, you know, like, large format paintings of small spaces and small format paintings of large expansive spaces. And I'm not even sure why yet, but I think there's something there and I'm trying to figure that out. I think, um, you know, as, as someone that likes to paint and, you know, that's, that's your medium. I mean, it seems like trying to find ways to shake that up and challenge it and, and to find something new that's interesting. I mean, it's, it might be something that's kind of just been stuck in your head, you know, something that maybe you've seen, you know, over and over to the point that you're just like, you know, maybe I should make a series about this, you know, so. Yeah, yeah. And I, the, there's something kind of interesting about that, that scale shift, too, to me, like, you know, like a still life feels like, for me, like the most possibility for abstraction right now, where like a, a, a painting about space or place still seems like a picture. So I don't know. I want it smaller, more intimate. I don't know if that makes sense, but it's it's kind of this strange thing I'm attracted to about scale and what the type of space it is. Is there anything that you maybe wanted to talk about that we haven't talked about? Um, well, actually, I kind of wanted to talk about um, your like what you sort of get out of this. Because I, I think we started the interview because I kind of I, I was seeking you out after I heard that podcast. And, um, I, yeah, I'm really curious about what you get out of this as a painter, as an artist. Cause I, I, I've been toying around in my head for a while just cause my own interest in this format. I mean, it seems like a really interesting artistic format. Like, I don't know about you, but like I got, I, for a long time, I, um, was really interested in like talk radio because I liked, I liked the rhythm 
and format of conversation or like genuine conversation while I was working. Cause for some reason it like shut off that part of your brain because you're engaged without something else and you could paint really well or, you know, be paint for hours and hours. And I just got really bummed out maybe politically listening to like talk radio. Like, yeah, NPR. yeah. And then I kind of found podcasts, you know, like when that started getting popular around 2006, seven, whatever. And I don't know, like, what do you get out of this? Like, cause I, I, I'm really engaged with the art of podcast or just conversation and recording conversation. Sure. I mean, I, I think I get tons out of it. You know, I, th- I think when I started, it was really, I don't know, kind of a reaction to be able to talk, to kind of share these, th- these conversations that I didn't have after leaving school, you know, like everyone, everyone talks mm-hmm. about trying to make work after you leave that environment and, you know, you don't have people to bounce ideas off of or go bother. And so I think, you know, at the, at, at first level, it's like, okay, this is something to do. Maybe I can showcase some of these artists that don't, don't really seem to get any, any kind of attention because they're not, Mm-hmm. you know, in a auction somewhere. And I think, mm-hmm. I don't know, it's, it's changed a lot, you know, even in just talking to, to you today, the way that you're kind of jumping around, um, bodies, you know, like I've been, I've, I moved last year to Wheaton and I live in this, this, um, brick and, and wooden kind of apartment building. It's all kind of reddish, you know, varieties of red colors, bricks, um, you know, red rail, red rails, trim, stuff like that. And, you know, there's tons of trees around. And so last year I made all these series of paintings, you know, that were plein air. And so I've been having this inkling mm-hmm. to kind of, you know, paint what's around me and like, can I, you know, it seems like it'd be a pain, but like, is there a way that I can turn just, you know, my experience, um, of being on the deck and, you know, having all the scenery on, is there a way that I can make a series of paintings about this apartment building? And so for me, one of the things that I really get out of it is, you know, just getting some of these ideas from other people, or at least not, not so much that like, it's like, okay, yes, now I feel compelled to walk around and, and do this because Tim's doing it. But, mm-hmm. you know, kind of makes me re- rethink some of those previous assessments and especially the way that, that people work and, and look at different things. But, you know, I, I especially can, can resonate to that idea of wanting to listen to interesting things to talk to. You know, I, I did a series of residencies and, you know, back in the day it was downloading a bunch of this American life, you know, to yeah, my, yeah. to my iPod so that I could play it. But, you know, I think as time's gone on, I think the more that I get into, you know, unedited conversation, which is always something that's really interesting to me. You know, I listen to podcasts sometimes that, you know, upwards of three hours and mm-hmm. you really gain an insight into the way that people think. And I don't know, I, th- I think it makes me a lot less judgmental as well. You yeah, know, like yeah. I think it's, it's one of those things where I think any artist can kind of be really caught up in what they're interested in, who they know, what they're interested in looking at. They kind of get into this routine. And so I think that's also something that's interesting about it, you know, and I, you know, I'll be honest, I do talk to a lot of painters, but I, I also talk to a lot of people that I have no idea how to find a way in at first, you know? And so kind of being in this environment where like, okay, I don't really know what this person is about. How can I find a way into it? And so sometimes I'm surprised when it's, when it's close and, you know, sometimes it's hilarious when I'm you know totally off, but, um, (laughs) and I think that's just such an interesting exercise to kind of be in that environment and also, you know, to really allow people to kind of talk without it being, you know, this, this thing that's been refined so much that, you know, it becomes about words and, and language rather than experience. And I, th- I think that's also something that's really huge because, you know, you talk to different artists that, that work entirely different from you. And so, I, again, I can kind of really relate. And it's something that, again, just kind of reinforces all of the same things. Everyone hates the sound of their voice. 
they think the way that they talk is awful usually yeah so i don't know i i think that's also something interesting that artists have all these different things that they have to balance in their life and and how do you balance all those things and still make something that's interesting and i think that's also you know kind of going back to a larger thing you know i also can remember but you know i think after a certain point like that idea of being in an experience and kind of responding to it is something that's interesting so to hear people you know talk about that and share stories about that's you know really interesting and and also something that really makes me wonder about how some of those things can apply to to what i do so yeah and i think you know the other thing you know that's interesting about it that is um i think the better you become as like a listener or an interviewer it just makes you a better observer, you know, it makes you more keen to kind of observe and react, which probably makes you an even better painter. Wouldn't you say? I, you know, I am a great painter. I'm sorry. I had to, I, <laughs> when somebody throws it out there like that, no, I don't know. I, I, I feel like everybody is self-conscious, you know, I, I, I certainly am. Cause you know, like I'll, I'll see, um, you know, I'll see a friend of mine post like, you know, 10 new paintings, like, Hey everyone, check out my new website. You know, I've got, you know, however many new works and I'm just like, oh my gosh, I'm not making enough work. I feel a lot more confident in taking on those challenges or, you know, pursuing mm-hmm. a body of work and being conscious of and going like, okay, maybe this is just a series that I can do and we'll see what happens with it. You know? So I think that's also, that's something that in that sense, when I'm in that mode, I think it makes me a better painter. Oddly enough, I feel, I feel more, I feel, I feel like it's more difficult when it's in, in the studio for me, which is strange because I don't think of myself I don't think of myself as a representational painter at all. You know, I, I kind of went to school yeah. with a lot of, a lot of folks that were really amazing, abstract, formal painters. And so for me, um, I don't know, it's, it's an interesting, interesting thing to think about and certainly something that changes, but. Well, I've, I've always thought of myself as a closet abstract painter, you know, like I, that's what I want to be, but I just can't let go of a picture yet. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> right, right. Well, I think, but I think that's okay. I mean, I think that's the other thing, kind of getting back to it. I mean, I think it makes everyone kind of real, me realize that, you know, everyone has their own, you know, kind of unique way of working. I don't know. I mean, sometimes you really get interested into the point that you're like, yeah, you know, that is something that I can use, but it also maybe tells you, you know, what you're not interested in making either. You know, I, I really, I think the more that I talk to people, I'm really interested in experience as opposed to being in an environment where I'm just kind of making a, a statement about something. You know, I'm really interested in that that idea of daily life and and how that can be applicable because I want, you know, I want a sense of meaning in in what I do. You know. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, I, I feel like that's uh, sort of what I'm after, and yeah, not just painting, but like yeah, thinking about like quality of life, and um, yeah, I, I just really interested in, um, I guess, I guess the art form of conversation and podcasting is seems like. I don't know. It's just a really interesting kind of, um, I don't know, studio practice in itself that can inform painting. So I guess what I'm really asking you is how do you get started? I want to start one. (laughs) Oh, yeah. I mean, I think think you started out the right way. You probably listened to so many of them that you know, that you have, you have certain ideas about it. I think it's like, like I said, I think it's very similar to just being in an environment where you don't know what you're doing and starting somewhere and then kind of reacting before we, before we kind of wrap up officially then. So is there, is there anything coming up that we can, you know, look forward to and, and make sure that uh, all the studio break listeners know to go check out any shows or exhibitions coming up? 
Well, I don't no, I don't have um, major shows coming up, but I think when we started off, you were saying something about like having seen my uh, painting, my paintings and new American paintings, which that has never happened, but it's going to happen in this newest issue, I think, that comes out in June or July. So that's, um, I guess, the only thing that I would have to plug <laughs> is that, that that's coming out this summer. And maybe that was a confusion because when we were talking about setting this up, you were asking if I had anything uh, coming up, and I had said that I was going to be in this new issue. Well, sweet, sweet. Again, so that'll be out in yeah, yeah. summer, so that'll be exciting. Yeah. Well, again, thanks so much for uh, taking the time to, to speak with me today. I appreciate it. Yeah, no, it was a pleasure. It was really fun. Thanks once again to Tim for joining us, and please check out his website, timothycallahan.com. And once again, you can find his work in the latest New American Painting due out any minute if it's not already out. So keep your eyes peeled for it and go check it out. If you're interested in finding more out about me as the host of Studio Break and the kind of paintings and artwork that I make, you can check out davidlinaway.com and you'll probably realize why Tim and I get along so well. We paint a lot of the same things, or at least in my sense, I paint a lot of urban landscapes and suburban landscapes and other plein air type things. So please check that out on davidlinaway.com. And again, there's a hyperlink on Studio Break, so you can easily do that. You can find my work on Exchange Works as well, so if you'd like to make some kind of trade, I'm open to interesting ideas, so please uh, send me a message there. You can also contact me on Facebook if you just want to say hello. Once again, you can follow Studio Break in a variety of different ways. Obviously, our Facebook page is very popular, so please like it there. Once again, we provide updates of some of the guests that we've had on, some of the ones that are coming up, show announcements, opportunities, things like that. So please like our Facebook page and leave us some comments there. You can follow our Twitter account, at Studio Break, and you'll see that we do make some posts there. So if you're on Twitter, you can follow us. And we also are on Tumblr, so please follow us there. That's studio-break.tumblr. So, again, a variety of different ways to reach out. Once again, please check out all the great archives that we have. Again, each of the interviews have images of the artist's work, links to their websites, and you can go to the iTunes store right there with that handy link and subscribe to the podcast. If you are a fan, please help us and do a huge favor. Please help spread the word with other social media networks. And, of course, if you do like us in iTunes, it always helps if you leave us some comments. It just generally gets a little bit more visibility for all of those podcast junkies that are out there around the world. So please help us out there thanks again to Skylar Mail for contributing the music for Studio Break to make it possible you can find out more about him he is a visual artist and musician at SkylarMail.com and he's in a new band called Gravity Waves so if you're in Chicago check them out alright that's all the show that we have thanks again for listening and we'll talk to you real soon <laughs>